Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. This month's guest is Vincent Valdez, the Associate Administrator for Research, Demonstration, and Innovation at the Federal Transit Administration. Vincent, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. It's a pleasure to be here, Bernie. Thank you. We're going to start off by talking a little bit about some of the things that you're doing at FTA. As I had mentioned in the introduction, your title is Associate Administrator for Research, Demonstration, and Innovation. But tell us a little bit about what's going on within that office and some of the projects that you're involved in and what's exciting you right now. Well, thank you very much. I'd be happy to. And I've been in the position since 2008. And it's been my privilege to be working on the cutting edge of transportation and transit technology and new practices. What am I particularly excited about? Well, there are a number of things that I'm particularly excited about. I'm particularly excited about the new technologies that are coming into play in public transportation. It's an area that's evolving on a daily basis and certainly one that we've had our finger on the pulse of for years. What is particularly important, and I think particularly of note, something that we should all be paying attention to, is the evolution in mobility. This is particularly exciting because it's a real paradigm change for the industry. We're seeing that the traditional silos between all of the different transportation modes have somehow become a little blurrier over the years. They're more blurry than they've been before, and that's a good thing for travelers everywhere. Since 2016, for example, my office has been involved in something we call Mobility on Demand. It's also known as Mobility as a Service. And we launched the Mobility on Demand Sandbox to really explore the idea of these coordinated and integrated transportation systems. We understand that transit is certainly a bulwark, is a basic foundational piece of any transportation network. But we also wanted to see what the art of the possible was with respect to coordinating with other emerging modes, other things that were emerging at the time and that we became aware of through our conversations with our stakeholders. Uh, So we worked on a mobility on demand sandbox where we encouraged transit agencies to really think outside the box about the services that they were offering. How could they better coordinate with other modes such as the emerging transportation network companies that were coming on the scene then? How could they perhaps offer micro transit capabilities? How could they work with micro transportation, micro uh, mobility organizations such as the scooters that we all see? and the bike share organizations that have sprouted up in every city around the country and around the world. Since that time, we've developed two new programs. Just most recently, we developed a program called Integrated Mobility Innovation. And really, we wanted to take it to the next level from Mobility On Demand Sandbox. In the Mobility On Demand Sandbox, we were just doing the level set. We were learning about what actually was happening out there in the real world. With IMI, 
we're proposing to support and we are supporting through funding 25 different projects that are moving forward on new models of transportation. These are projects that will explore the use of, for example, AI. They're exploring how transit may coordinate with private sector companies to provide a better granular trip for each individual traveler. I think travelers have become very sophisticated and are not interested in mode-specific transportation per se. What they are most interested in is really thinking about that complete trip, thinking about how do I get from point A to point B in the most efficient, cost-effective, comfortable way that I can, given my circumstances in the moment. It's a reflection, I think, of our societal preferences and certainly one that we wanted to help transit accommodate. So with the IMI, we're supporting 25 different projects that are looking at these different relationships. Again, it's not just about the technology, it's about applying those technologies. The third program that we've uh, sponsored is called the AIM program, Accelerating Innovative Mobility. And again, if you think about each successive version or each successive evolution of our mobility programs becoming more sophisticated, this is the ultimate in sophistication in that we're looking at different environments as well. We're interested in rural applications of these technologies. Uh, We're looking at cross-regional connections, not just necessarily in any given single community. Understanding that transportation is economic development, and economic development is what every community is looking for, what every American citizen is looking for. So again, thinking about how to push just beyond thinking about transit or just thinking about any single given mode in any transportation network. The AIMS Challenge grants, I think, are going to be very exciting because, again, they're going to look at different business models as much as anything else. Think of them as incubators for future mobility. And we're closing that program on May 18th, and I'm excited to see uh, what kind of proposals we receive from the industry. Our challenge is that we work directly with transit agencies, and we expect that they will come to us with the partnerships in place, with the technologies that they need, and with the concept of operations that they're interested in promoting so that we can then help with funding, help with evaluation, and hopefully take it from there and disseminate it around the country. You mentioned the word blurry when you were talking a bit about mobility. If I think about what was maybe blurry, say, this past winter, And what's blurry right now in the spring in the midst of the pandemic, I would imagine things are even less clear focus as to uh, what will be happening. Any thoughts in terms of how mobility may change as we get to the other side of this pandemic that we're in right now? It's going to be a challenge. It's no secret that currently public transportation ridership has really plummeted. Unfortunately, well, I guess it's a result of all of us being quarantined or in some form of a shutdown. And it's only natural that we find that these public resources are really under strain. And so it's not surprising that we're seeing that in public transportation. I guess the issue, the million dollar question is going to be what will rider preferences be after the COVID crisis? From my perspective, I think what we're going to need to do as an industry is convince riders that they are in a safe environment, that they are going to have clean and safe service. You know, we we all depend on transportation to do the essential things that we do in our lives. We, We go to doctor's appointments. We go to work. We go to our educational opportunities. Transportation is life, and it's important that when people 
come back from the COVID crisis that they're assured that the ways that they get around are safe and clean and reliable. Um, And so that'll be the challenge. As to how we do it, that's still something that's in development, but we will definitely have to put all of our thinking caps on and think about the best ways to do that. You mentioned the AIM Challenge grants coming due in the middle of May and talking about the agencies coming with their plan and, and with the technology, et cetera, that they want to use. Are you seeing transit agencies teaming together so that it's not just an individual transit agency, but perhaps agencies from a region or even across the country trying to tackle some of these challenges together as opposed to just doing it individually? That's a great question, Bernie. When I first started at the FTA about 18 years ago, there was a saying that went something like, if you've seen one transit agency, you've seen one transit agency. They were very much a vehicle or they were very much a piece of their region. They, they reflected the city or the community in which they were found. They were different and they gloried in that difference. What I've seen since those days is that transit realizes it's a community itself. And we're seeing more cooperation and more coordination amongst transit agencies than we ever have before. In fact, one of our mobility on demand programs is one in which LA Metro and Sound Transit and Metro Transit in Seattle are doing very similar things. And they actually applied for the grant together. Um, And so we're seeing that they are coordinating. They understand that something that may be good for one transit agency is very likely good for all transit agencies. And as such, we are seeing a lot more interaction. I see it all the time through APTA. I see it all the time through TRB. They're hungry for information. They're hungry for the next technology that'll help them provide better service to their customers. And in fact, they see themselves more as a business proposition than I have ever seen before in that they realize that there has to be a certain level of customer satisfaction in order to get repeat riders. um, And that's very important for them. Obviously, there are people who are transit dependent and there always will be, but they understand that they're in a very dynamic, very competitive environment now. And as such, they're all stepping up their game. I think a big part of mobility as a service and mobility on demand in terms of making it work is having data that's available to the transportation professionals who are trying to put these kinds of systems together. How is that kind of data helping transportation professionals better understand what the needs of the user are and what the demands are for these kinds of services? Another great question. I think what we're seeing is, again, a more sophisticated understanding of what data really means, what we can learn from data, what the potential of data is in terms of giving us insights into system performance, traveler mobility, and those interesting interactions with land use decisions at the local level, origins and destinations, where you're putting your public resources for things like hospitals and things of that nature. And so data is the window into that insight. And as such, transit agencies are very, very sophisticated and very eager to even learn more. We've always relied, for example, at FTA on ridership as a metric for how we're doing our funding, what our service models look like, and the overall system performance of the transit industry writ large. With the new data collection capabilities that are emerging and that are being refined almost on a daily basis, and really, if you think about it, everyone has or many people have a computer right on their in their pocket. It's their, it's their smartphone. We can now measure things like 
pre-trip traveler information. We can see about aligning with post-trip mobility results. In other words, user satisfaction. We can figure out what the really underperforming routes might be. And as such, we can start fine-tuning our service, which is a very important element of a good, highly optimized transportation network, which is the key. We want to optimize resources. We want to make sure that the public resources that are public transportation agencies, buses are paid for by the FTA and therefore by taxpayers, that we're using them to their highest potential. And as such, data can help us get there. I think it's really exciting in that, and we've all seen recently emerging artificial intelligence and what the possibilities are for machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I can imagine a future in which we're responding in real time using that data that you mentioned to, for example, provide surge service for a concert or a baseball game or to provide incident management in a corridor. Say there's a water main break on a particular arterial or some other major street that you can then start rerouting in real time transportation assets around that incident, almost like air traffic controllers only on the ground, looking at data and looking at the information that we're receiving in real time from travelers and from the vehicles themselves. One of the things, obviously, it's running parallel to what's happening with transit as far as MOD is what's happening in the pedestrian and bike space and to be uh, even more expansive e-scooters and things of that sort, alternative forms of transportation. How would you compare the two? So in terms of comparing MOS and MOD to some of the innovations in terms of micro mobility, I would actually push back on that and say that there's not so much a comparison as there's an amalgamation. I think of mobility on demand and MOS as having micro mobility and micro transit and transit all as part and parcel of that integrated network. The end game, the end state that we're all interested in is a truly coordinated, elegantly optimized transportation network. And that's where MOD and MOS come into the, the fray in terms of a framework around which you then bring all of these basic components in and coordinate them to the highest good. And that highest good being the best mobility for each individual traveler. I see a day, you know, in, in many urban areas, for example, you see a walkability score and a transit score. And I think in the ideal circumstances in an ideal world, someday I would love to see a mobility score so that you as a traveler, again, knowing that you need to get from point A to point B, can check your mobility score. And that might mean you use a bike share if you can, or you might walk and you have good wayfinding technology at your hand, at your beck and call, or that you use a transit ride, or that you might use a TNC Uber Lyft ride, but that you're optimizing your trip based on your conditions. And those conditions might be changing from day to day. They might alter from day to day. In one sense, you may want to try to get some exercise. So you're going to take the bike or you might walk, or you might not have enough money to really kind of afford a TNC ride one day. So you decide to take transit, which is always very cost effective. Or another day you may decide, hey, I really need to get there quickly because I'm going for a job interview, or I don't want to get all sweaty from taking a bicycle ride, I'm doing an interview. So you decide to take a TNC or a taxi, but that you're optimizing your transportation choices based on real-time needs and real-time conditions. And again, 
that's where I think all of these elements come into play with each other, that they are all mutually supportive of an integrated system that serves the writer. Kind of in line with that, do you see these kinds of smaller mobility options as something that makes transit more attractive, especially when it comes to the first and last mile connections? Absolutely. I think we've seen that actually through our mobility on demand program. And what we will be seeing in IMI is that TNCs and micromobility always point out the basic foundational stone that is transit. Transit in every community is just an important foundational element in the transportation network. And very often we see that TNCs do better when they are connecting to a transit station or a transit asset of some sort. Um, the same can be said, I think, for um, bike share, for scooter connectivity. I see it all the time here in Washington, D.C., and I know other communities uh, experience that as well. So, yes, again, they do a wonderful job of complementing basic transit services. And we want to congratulate you later on this year, this summer, you're going to become the president and CEO of the Southwestern Pennsylvania Commission. Tell us a bit about your uh, new role and, and how you see mobility fitting in with that. Oh, thank you very much, Bernie. I'm, I'm really very excited about that, the prospect of moving to Pittsburgh. I see that position as being incredibly reflective and perhaps taking advantage of what I've learned over the last 18 years at FTA, and particularly the last eight or so years that I've been in the position at FTA. Pittsburgh and the surrounding region are just a wonderful community or a wonderful region, and they are looking to really enhance the connectivity of all of their systems. They're looking, again, to optimize what they have on the ground. They realize that, as I mentioned earlier, transportation is about economic development. Transportation really is about getting people to the things that they want to do in life. And so my task will be to make all the connections. If, if anything, I like to think of the Pittsburgh region as having all of the ingredients, and I'd like to go in and bake a cake for them. I really want to <laughs> make it so that they can optimize all of the resources that they have already in place. They've got a wonderful citizenry. They've got a fantastic academic and university resources there. They've got a fantastic transit system, wonderful roadway system. Now the thing is to put all the pieces together and stitch it together so that it's all optimized. And that's what I see myself as doing there. Uh, I know that part of the goal will be to really, again, work towards economic vitality and economic development for the entire region. I see it as being one where the city and the surrounding rural counties are very well connected. They can't exist without each other. And I think that they have that realization. They just want to know how to do that. And I think that'll be the challenge that I'm faced with when I go there. And I'm very excited to take it on. Well, it sounds like it is going to be a very exciting opportunity and some interesting things that do lie ahead for you. Our guest on this edition of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast has been Vincent Valdez, the Associate Administrator for Research, Demonstration, and Innovation at the Federal Transit Administration. Vincent? Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Bernie.